Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! Okay, excited to get started with another uh, Westside Personalized podcast, and today I'm getting a chance to visit with Lacey Peters, who is somebody I've had a chance to, to work with really since I started here at the high schools. as she's assistant coach with Cross Country, uh, and so I kind of got, first got to know her through that, and yeah, Lacey works, gosh, with swimming and health here and, and in a variety of like different PE-related classes, I guess, so can you get, start things off? Welcome. Can you give us some of the like courses that you teach and... Uh, just talk a little bit about maybe yeah, your bio as a teacher here at Westside. So I teach swimming one through three, so three different levels of swimming classes, advanced health sciences, intro to health sciences, and lifeguarding and water safety instructors. All things pool related and then some with yes. the health stuff, right? So uh, we're getting a chance to chat today because I know that you've uh, done some pretty cool stuff with regards to technology and how you give feedback to your swimmers. And so um, can you kind of talk us through, I guess, uh, what that looks like, just kind of that process? So all of my swimming levels look a little bit different, but swimming two and three really turn it into more of an individualized class. I know that you use Huddle. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what Huddle is as like a program? Because then we can get to how that like applies to your class. Yes, Huddle, through the football program, they subscribe to it. And it is an online sports program where you can upload videos and then you can pause them, type on them, and draw design circles, emphasis that help to reiterate either plays or for my class, it's proper stroke technique. So looking at arm angle, body positioning in the water, flip turns, open turns, all of that, and the angles that they sh- their body should be in as opposed to maybe where they are swimming. So the students have the ability to create their own account, and they're the only ones that then can see their videos and critique them, and then they share them back with me. So they're looking at themselves swimming, which for a lot of them, it's the first time they do that. And these are videos that their peers are filming of them or you're filming all of these with the iPad? I film all of them with the iPad and I give the class something else to do so that they don't feel like all eyes on them as they're swimming. (laughs) Okay, so then once you've filmed them and you've shared the video with them through Huddle, uh, you said that it has all of these different features on there. She'll go through then and like you said, draw lines or leave little pieces of feedback for them to kind of improve their stroke move like in the future. They leave feedback for me. So So they're setting their own goals versus you. Yes. Okay. This is their chance, and this is what I tell them. They hear me every day in class telling them how they can work on their technique or what they're doing well, but until they can see it, I want to know that they can be able to identify proper stroke technique and how to fix it. So they are analyzing their own swimming stroke and sharing it back with me. And like I mentioned, I'm looking at those four-stroke mechanics. Swimming three takes it it breaks the arms down into power phase and recovery phase and then looks at catch, mid, pull, and finish of the arm stroke. And then power phase and recovery phase of the kick as well. We're swimming two, they're just looking at their kick and arms as a whole, so they're not getting as detailed. Okay, and is this something they look at as homework or 
uh, and then put their feedback and then meet with you? Or how does that, where, where do they get the opportunity to reflect using that, that program? So the first time we do it in swimming three, the kids sit out of class and we sit down, I go through examples on huddle, show them how to do the edits, pause, type on it, all of that, and share it back with me. And they get the opportunity during that class time to sit and work on it so that if they have questions or they aren't sure maybe how to add the text box or what the catch phase is again of the arm stroke, then I can assist them. All the others for the other three competition strokes, it is homework. They have to submit it by a certain day. I'll look through them and give them feedback. And then they write a workout based off of those things, those areas they want to improve on. And it can be anywhere from making their flip turn more efficient and quicker, less time on the wall, um, speed, or minor details like when they rotate to breathe, keeping one goggle in and not bringing their whole face out of the water. So their workouts vary greatly. It could be more sprint endurance work, or it could be more technique work where they're doing a lot of drills to really focus on some specifics within the stroke. That's great. And so what role then, or how do you facilitate is probably the question, them knowing what to put in a workout. So if you gave, if you threw me in a pool, for example, <laughs> which it would be an ugly sight, you'd probably be on huddle for an hour or like <laughs> having to go through all my comments. Uh, but if, if I set these goals, then how do I know what things, uh, I mean, I understand maybe that it's a particular like arm motion, I guess, but how do I develop a workout and like, how do you go about helping students gain that sensibility? So that's one thing in swimming too that we do. So as I mentioned for swimming too, the first video analysis they do, I actually write the workout for them. So I show them, they identify three major areas that they want to work and improve on for that particular stroke. Me, would be like, don't sink. <laughs> but, but I'm with you. I'm just joking. And so I then write a personalized workout for that individual based off of their current endurance level. Mm -hmm. So my swim team kids are obviously going to have, they're going to be swimming 300s, 400s when some of the other kids will be doing 25s and 50s and just multiple reps of it. I teach them how to read a workout at the beginning of... Well, at the end of swimming one, they learn how to read a workout. What does that mean? So... Because that'd be like 25 yards, meters, or whatever. Okay. Yes. So the length of the pool is 25. So if you have four by 25 with a RI of 30 seconds, then you're doing a 30 second rest oh, okay. in between each 25. And if you're two 100s with maybe an interval, you want to swim it in 110. So the faster you swim it, the more of a rest period you have because once you hit that 110 interval, you go again. So we go through proper warm-ups, the workout portion itself, and then cool-downs. So swimming two practices it, then by the time they get to swimming three, they're kind of turned on their own mm -hmm. to write the workouts. I do review with them what we go over in swimming too, basically review how to write a workout and just remind them because some kids haven't taken the class for a couple semesters. And then I check them and tell them if they need to maybe add or take it a little bit out because for swimming too, the goal is at least 20 minutes because as you know, at least 20 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity is what really helps the cardiovascular mm -hmm. system and heart and lungs. Swimming three, we bump it up to 30 minutes just because they're at that higher endurance level that they need to push themselves a little bit more to get the 
the workout that they need. Yeah, it sounds like, because uh, with personalized learning, we talk about how things happen in stages. Uh, and Brian McClaskey's work on personalized learning says that, that stage one is very much the teacher is setting everything up. It's really kind of glorified differentiation, I guess. Right? <laughs> Here are all of your choices, but I'm still making all of the choices. And then stage two, it's more collaborative with the student, which I'm hearing in your second swimming tier two. of the class, swimming two. Yeah, and that they... Uh, it sounds like our meeting with you and going, okay, well, here's, here's where I'd like to go. And how do we, like, what is a workout? And how does this function? And how can we start to envision this? And stage three is letting the learner, yeah, really be the one that's, that's driving that. And so it almost sounds like the progression through your swimming one, two, and three models, that, that same process. Is that kind of? Yeah. And with swimming three, we also take, I forgot to mention heart rate. So we calculate, about that. Yeah. we calculate their resting heart rate and their target heart rate zone. And then in the middle of their workout, they stop about 15 minutes into their workout. They'll stop, find their heart rate, and check to see if they're in that zone. And swimming three keeps fitness logs. So every day they write down how many yards they swim. And what I tell them is everybody's different. Don't focus on the person next to you and how much they swim. Focus mm-hmm. on yourself and improving and getting better. They set goals for themselves of where they want to be, whether it's stroke technique. Some kids want to go into the U.S. Coast Guard, so they're trying to work towards that pretest. Others want to be lifeguard certified. Some of them set that they want to swim. Like I have one kid who wants to swim a 500 and 530, I think, was his goal for the semester. Mm -hmm. So the heart rate helps them check to make sure that they're pushing themselves to get to that goal. Because if every time they check it and they're not in the zone, they're under it, then they're not doing everything they can to get to where they want to be. Sure. Gosh, and this is so, because that's knowing your learners. So I'm just going to nerd out and do the personalized learning thing, right? Uh, and then data-driven, that in the moment you're you know, allowing for there to be some sort of measurables that, that tell you whether you're making progress or not. And so in this case, it's heart rate and, and your ability to tackle the workout that you've designed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get to stage three, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're just Montessori as educators and like completely hands-off. Like it is learner-driven. They're setting their goals, their workouts, and they're designing all these things, but you're still... Very much like a, the analogy sometimes that we use as a, a golf caddy, right? Like I'm not playing, I'm not, I'm not swinging the club, but you know I'm going to understand too that you might need some advice or some subtle guidance when you're in the sand or looking at this putt. Um, but ultimately, yeah, uh, it's it's you taking your shots and and experiencing this uh, as it pertains to kind of your ability to progress through this task. And with swimming three, we do still do. Like today, my classes, we're reviewing backstroke technique. So as a class together, we're going through the proper form for the kick and all of those stroke mechanics that they then use to analyze their videos. So it's kind of like a refresher. And there are some days that I write the workouts, but when we review the skills, I time their 25s and 50s, so sprints for each of those strokes so that I can individualize the workout intervals for each of the kids. So. Sometimes my classes are pretty close, and so I only have to write two workouts. Other times I have to write 18 if they're all very different. But So there are some days that I still write them, but I try to individualize them for a kid or group of kids if they're similar mm-hmm. in ability. So I'm going to continue to extend out then uh, that, that personalized piece even to – because part of the training I give – frequently is the flexible space conversation and no you don't have desks in there (laughs) I would imagine that your ability to facilitate workouts across the lanes that you have 
has to be flexible, at least in how you think about like structuring that. Because if there's 18 workouts going on at once versus right, or or, or is it maybe I don't understand about swimming, but you could you have somebody that's doing a uh, a mile next to somebody who's doing like you know 100 repeats? I feel like that might get a little dangerous. Are you sort of like? It purely depends on the class size. My classes are not always balanced. So one section I'll have. So the group today I have eight. And then the other section has 16 in it. So that would be different. <laughs> the eight section, uh, we have a six lane pool. So most of the kids get their own lane, but a couple of them have to double up. And when you only have two kids in a lane at a time, they can just split the lane in half if they want to mm -hmm. and swim side by side. And then you don't have to worry about it. But when you get to three or more, they have to use the proper lane etiquette where it's like driving a car, that center so line, right. you circle around that center line. So you're going to need them to be similar speed and ability so that mm -hmm. they're not constantly waiting behind someone or trying to pass someone in the lane that way. So purely depends on what we're doing that day, how many kids are in the class and how similar their abilities are. Mm -hmm. So for today, we're just reviewing backstroke. They can choose their lanes. Anybody can be anywhere because we'll go through this technique for kick. They'll do a 100 kick and then we'll go through the arm stroke They'll do a 100 pull, that type of thing. So they're pretty close together in the sense that it doesn't matter who they share a lane with. Yeah. So you kind of like, uh, it's almost the flexible stations approach. Like, what are you doing? I've got a space in here for you to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have um, workouts? And I, I'm thinking as just a distance coach, this probably doesn't happen, where there is like a longer interval intermixed with like shorter ones to where they'd have to switch lanes. Or I don't know if workouts work like that, though. It's probably not. Well, I wouldn't have them switch lanes, but they're with workouts. You do, depending on what it is or how the kid writes it, they may have more longer distance, like ladder work, where they decrease their time each oh, one. Oh, yeah. Um, or they may, at the end, throw in so many 25s or 50s sprint-type work or speed work, whether it's half easy, half fast, or pickups, or all-out sprints. Typically, they just stay in their lane for that. They don't have to move. Mm -hmm. But they will have to, I guess, adjust if they're sharing lane. Cool, well, thanks. It's good to kind of just get a little glimpse into your class and hear a little bit more about uh, how this all works out. I know that from our conversations, I'm like, gosh, that's totally personalized learning happening with all the ways in which you're using technology and some of the examples and uh, the lens through which we just looked at that, I guess. Uh, I love that regardless of subject area, I do think that these things are sort of happening uh, everywhere. And so it's just cool to hear that in a swimming context. I hope to come back and chat with you at some point in time about the health unit that we had a chance to collaborate on and, and the way that's going. So can I have just kind of a quick, like, how's it going? And can you give like a quick overview of, of where you're at with that process right now? This may be a preview of a later conversation we can have. So for advanced health science, talking to a bunch of people in the community, healthcare professionals, many of the responsibilities or characteristics that kids were lacking coming into either their school or getting a job was that responsibility and self-drive piece. So for that, it's set up kind of like a health care profession. They choose a profession or professions that they're interested in and focus on that. So when we're talking about cultural diversity, they relate it to cultural diversity. But on top of that, it's a blended classroom, so they can watch the lectures online if they want to. I have them all recorded or they can have me talk to them about it or watch them during class but they schedule their own assignments they schedule what days are due and then 
I sit down with them, discuss them on the days that they have on the calendar that they're turning them in. So there are some pros and cons to this approach. Mm-hmm. Um, each student is different. Uh, everybody has their own battles, I guess, and battles that I'm fighting to help them be successful in this area. But overall, it's kind of a neat experience. I've gotten to know each individual student on a more personal level and their goals for their career and life and college and everything more than I did with the traditional approach. So That's awesome. I, just the thought that you would let them give them access to all the videos and things that you did uh, in order to see what careers are out there and then you had to pick one and then let that be the lens through which they experience the class is something that certainly going to follow up with you at some point to delve into further. But that's awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for all that you do for our students. And uh, thanks for taking some time out to talk with us today. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.